I'm Carrie Fountain, and this is Just to Say. Poetry springs forth from authentic human voice. Poetry is about anarchy. It's about mystery. It's about dreams. It's about you know the unknown. Writing is a way of saying that you and the world have a chance. This is Tarsia Faisula, and this is West Texas Nocturne. Because the sky burned, I had to unhinge from the window the mesh screen to step out onto the roof where the world was an orange, freshly peeled. I held to my nose fingertips scented with spring. Beside me fluttered the wings of another promise I made but didn't keep. I sat there for hours until my thighs were raw, ripped by those rough shingles. I knew how to perform under the gun, to tether myself farther and farther afield. This was before the other daughter died, and only one of us cried. But long after, those old pump jacks no longer needled the horizon clean. The velvet mat stayed unfolded, but I told y'all I prayed anyway. The sky was famished with stars. I couldn't help but count each scorched one. That was beautiful. That is so funny because I'm reading the version of the poem that was in the American Poetry Review, which is very different oh, than what you just yeah. read. I love that you changed, I told you, I prayed to, I told y'all I prayed. That's so Texan. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, well, um, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I would, no, this is, it's just, it's, it's fascinating to hear a further version of a poem. It's like such a treat. It's like a little bit of a, you know, a view into someone else's process and the version that you just read it's like you know you read a poem and you think oh this poem couldn't be any better than it is right now but oh my god the sky was famous with stars that's like the such a great <laughs> that's such a great line I mean it's just beautiful so um but it well, does make you. me uh, my one of my questions I mean I'm just fascinated by this poem and I'm fascinated by your biography uh you were born mm-hmm. in Brooklyn and you were raised mm-hmm. in West Texas. Yep. So tell him, tell like, can you talk a little bit about that? About how, what took your family to West Texas, or? Yeah. yeah um, well, we left. It, it's a funny story. We left Brooklyn when I was nine days old. So I was born in my and pretty much in motion right away. Ah. And um, and then uh, my father had been um, completing a residency there. He's a doctor. Mm. And um, so we drove across the country to Mansfield, Missouri, where we lived for a few years, and then moved to uh, Midland when I was about three. So I spent my formative years, I'd say, um, in Midland up until I graduated high school, and then I moved to Austin for college. Mm -hmm. Um, And then since then, I've continued to sort of bounce around, I suppose. This image of stepping out onto the roof to watch well to uh watch the sky burn and that image of the world as an orange freshly peeled anyone who has driven through uh the oil fields in west texas knows what that image is that is i I think everyone knows what that image is or at least maybe this is what i think the image is that sort of Mm -hmm. thing that burns so brightly in the sky, the whatever, that's like Mm -hmm. a flame coming out of a pipe. Is that what the image is? 
Yeah, I mean, well, I, I love that reading of it. Uh, that's so beautiful. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's totally incorrect. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I just don't think that there's ever, I, I think there's rarely an incorrect way to read a poem, mm-hmm. actually. Um, but uh, I just kind of hope that the reader steps in and sees what they want or need to see. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, West Texas, the sunsets there are really intense, like they're fiery. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the sunset, of they, course. Yeah, they sort of fill up the whole sky because the horizon is so flat, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I just have all of these. When I think about my time in West Texas, I just think of this huge sky, you know. And I remember my father telling me once that we lived in what was called or considered big sky country. And that just blew my mind that, you know, an entire country could, uh, you know, could have like a big sky like that, could be thought of as... Um, Thought, thought of for its sky, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, that was really beautiful to me, that idea. Um, and, I, and I guess, too, that I think, uh, you know, those pump jacks, we would drive back and forth between Midland and Odessa to see friends, family friends. And um, I just remember seeing those pump jacks, which always looked sort of vaguely human to me, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, on the way there and sometimes against the night sky. And that's really what I remember are these, kind of moments of intense quiet out in the middle of nowhere, what felt like nowhere at the time. Mm. Um, Yeah. And that sort of very human interruption in the natural world of like the pump jacks out on the horizon, you know, even that I, I've, I've misread the image of the orange as, as of course the, the the sunset but also just those those the way it smells there the way there you can sort of very often in west texas like look out onto this amazing horizon but then also like oh yeah there's a some sort of a power plant out there or like everything is sort of there's like very few actual wide open spaces you know yeah that's so true mm-hmm. yeah and i mean i think you did read it right because i I was seeing the, the orange of the sun, um, but like you said, is also uh, a kind of sensory image too, or just smell being such a huge um, mm-hmm. sensation. I remember coming back home to visit uh, Midland from college when I was going to UT Austin, and uh, knowing I was close by the really small, strong smell of petroleum. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was a part of it too, how sensory the landscape was. Yes. And it's, isn't it interesting when you move away and you sort of go back to a place and it isn't until you return and that smell or that feeling for me, it's the desert, like coming from Austin, going back home to the deserts of Southern New Mexico, like the air, like right away, it hits me and I'm like, oh, this is, and you never sort of notice it growing up, but then you go back and you think, how did I ever live in this place where like my skin starts peeling immediately upon like stepping out of the car door or, you know, how do I return to this place? How do I grow up in this place that smells so thickly of petroleum, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, um... One of the things that is different about the poem and one of the questions I had, I have a couple of questions just about this poem, or not questions, but just sort of things that I'm interested in hearing you talk about. 
the second stanza I made uh, uh, beside um, beside me fluttered the wings of another promise I made, but didn't keep is the line as you read it. But in my version of the poem that was published on the American Poetry Review website, beside me fluttered the wings of another promise I made you. <laughs> but didn't keep. And I'm interested. I was just sort of interested in this, you know, there's this imagistic narrative of, of perhaps a teenage girl stepping out mm -hmm. onto her roof to watch the sky. Um, yeah. And then this you comes in, and it seems to me a poem then that becomes about um, that space we make between ourselves and our family and our history and sort of ideas of, you know, I told you, I told y'all, <laughs> I prayed, <laughs> but the, you know, the, the velvet mat stayed unfolded, you know. Um, can you talk a little bit about that sort of aspect of the poem? Yes, um, that's such an amazing thing to notice. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's always a you that mm. I'm, I'm speaking to in some way. Sometimes it's a specific person sometimes it's a family member sometimes it's myself and I'm struck what you said about distance I mean I think you know I'm wondering now if I pull that you out to sort of like remove even further intimacy I think mm -hmm. when I originally drafted the poem I was thinking um, as I often did about my sister who passed away I make a reference to that in the poem mm -hmm. when I was about 12 mm -hmm. in a really bad car accident mm -hmm. that our entire family was in oh. and so I think for a long time, I think I spoke mainly to her, oh. I would say, um, because I think she was a young girl and I was, I, I didn't understand how young I was at 12, really. Mm. Um, and from that car accident came, I don't know, like a number of, um, a number of things like I had a my um, right shoulder got really messed up. I still have a limited range of motion to this day. I think that's part of the reason those inert pump jacks stood out to me so much um, because there were sort of like these things that could do powerful work, but weren't able to anymore. Mm. Um, so I think, so I think there are a few things there that, um, you know, like kind of entered into the poem for me all at once. Um, and this kind of, awareness of both I guess the landscape I was in and then also thinking about how I was trying to get away from my family you know mm -hmm. like we'd suffered this huge trauma as a family and frankly it was just I think it was just really hard for us to look at each other you know mm -hmm. we were survivors of this kind of terrible thing and didn't know what to say or how to say it and so I think my impulse was to run but of course you can't really ever run mm -hmm. <laughs> you know I mean you, you always end up coming back in a loop to where you began, whether you want to or not, I think. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. Those are some thoughts. Did I, did I address anything you asked about? Absolutely. And I'm all, I'm just also fascinated by that notion of I, you know, running, right. I, I, I had the impulse to run and we, you know, perhaps even when we don't suffer a trauma and we aren't sort of dealing with that, just that sort of transition from girlhood into adulthood and that impulse to run and to get away and to go. And that juxtaposed 
with the sort of notion that like as far as I could go was opening the screen to my window and stepping out onto the roof and sitting there and watching the sky you know like yes. that's as far as I could go and it it did mm-hmm. take you far right it does those 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 separations do take us far I mean I have almost the exact same memory of removing the screen to my my roof and sitting out and just watching the stars um, I also am from a bi- from big sky country my my roof on my window looked out over Interstate 10. So there was even more this in the distance. So even more this sort of sense of like, there is the world, the world that is the world right there. Like those cars are headed somewhere else. And I am headed there as well. But right now, I am 15 feet away from my mother and father sleeping in the next bedroom. You know? (laughs) Yeah. And I love that there's there's also that sort of sense of like, I sat there for hours until my thighs were raw. And I think that that also has changed. So I have cut open by those rough shingles. That sort of sense that like that too is like there's this sort of sense of like this violence or this um not violence but this sort of difficulty. It's painful. It it causes pain, and that all of these things can be happening inside of us, and yet we can just look like any other any other teenager sitting out on their roof and looking at the sky. Yeah, exactly. That there's so much. There's so much, I mean, so much going on inside of a person that um, would be surprising to to discover that they thought or felt. Mm. Um, And, yeah, I mean, like, I remember that age, too, what you're saying about, you know, look, there's so much, I just had so much repressed longing for what was out there. And Mm. I could feel what was out there calling me, whatever it was. You know, I, I, I think in a way I didn't even care. And then I think there's a theme of counting that runs through the entire book. I think it's my way of, you know, sort of coming out as having like obsessive compulsive tendencies. But, um, but, you know, the idea of counting stars to me too, was sort of thinking about how those stars feel so near, almost like you can touch them, but of course they are just so vastly far away. So I think we, and you know, that idea of proximity and how, what you're physically near is not necessarily where your imagination is. You know, my imagination wasn't rooted in Midland, Texas. It was traveling far beyond it. And then the question was how to get my body to sort of follow, I guess. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, Tafia, can you talk a little bit, I mean, I think you already have in a very sort of um, beautiful and metaphorical way, just in talking about this poem a little bit and your experience. But what what was it that took you or brought you to to writing poetry? Uh, you know, I I think there are so many. I I feel like I I could lay claim to so many different origin stories. Um, you know, one answer is that my parents, my father. Um, I finished reading the Quran by the time I was seven years old, but like a lot of um. Muslim Americans, I would say that I don't necessarily, I didn't know what I was reading. It was about the language. So I feel like that was sort of a early lesson in how sound has meaning too. Um, and then my mother, she was left alone with a really young child. She had me at a young age and um, they were living in a one room apartment in Brooklyn. Um, and, uh, you know, she was just alone with me a lot at a young age. So they're recordings of my mother reciting poems to me and asking me to recite them back to her in Bengali and English. Mm. Um, Poetry has just always been 
kind of their part of my life, I would say that it wasn't until my sister died that I really started writing in earnest. That's when I felt like I was really, I started writing for whatever metaphorical life because I was having <clears throat> so many intense feelings and thoughts and there was really nowhere to put them. Mm -hmm. So that's when I, I think my writing really became something I'd always sort of done and loved doing, um, but something that I started doing in earnest. Um, just, you know, another another kind of random, I guess, way in which I entered poetry is I had a I had access to a kid's encyclopedia, and one of them was just all poetry, really short little kind of odes and limericks, things that kids could latch onto and remember. And I would rewrite them and then show them to my second grade teacher, Mr. Hicks. And Mr. Hicks was like, wow, these are really good. And I would be like, I know, right? So good. And then, and then he caught me um, copying these poems out, and I didn't know I was doing anything wrong by copying them and showing them to him and presenting them as my own. So it was my very first lesson in plagiarism. I never forgot it <sighs> ever in my life. Um, but I think also, yeah, but I think mimicry was a part of it too, was sort of writing out what someone else was thinking and seeing where it connected to my own thoughts. I love that so much. It's very, to me, it's very evocative of the experience of reading a poem I mean, like this poem of yours, where it is so touching to something so intimate in me, intellectually, mm -hmm. experientially, mm -hmm. spiritually, that you know that feeling that like, I wrote, I wrote this poem by reading it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like that's, that is absolutely seems like, yeah, that make sense to me that you would read poems and 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 copy them out and show them and say this is because that is part of the poem right the experience of reading the poem taking it absolutely in. I love that that's so beautiful yeah yes I love that story so wait are you saying that you you would just copy them down and take yeah them to I would teacher? take a, I would take a piece of notebook paper and I would copy them out and I would say Mr. Hicks I wrote this because I think in my <laughs> thoughts you know I had I had I painstakingly taken my pen or pencil up and it's probably pencil because I was a kid um, and wrote it out. And yeah, I mean, I sort of, I, I both, I appreciate that he caught me. I have to say that I've always had a little bit of a mischievous streak to me as my parents will attest to. Um, I got a U for unsatisfactory behavior on my first day of kindergarten. And so, um, so I think there was also a part of me that you know, wanted to see if I was going to get caught, maybe a little bit. Um, but that's me speculating on my much younger self. Um, who knows what she was thinking? Mm. I hope she was thinking fun thoughts. It seems like she was having a good time. Right. Copying out poems. So. And that's such a perfect place to begin, right? Like, this is my experience of being a poet, is going to be sort of copying these poems. And it's just sort of one step in that direction. You know what I mean? Like, there's a difference to me between someone who copies out poems and turn, you know, shows them to a teacher for the sort of, you know, um, feeling of like, I wrote this, like, it touches you, right? Like, right, this is good. And I, I, we both agree that this is something that is really good. And then, you know, there's like a version of that person who just like, then goes on to become like some, like, um, you know, person who like cheats the system. <laughs> or 
<laughs> something like yeah. some like some like really you know. But this is like you you went on, of course, to become a poet. Like this was just your first entry point <laughs> into you, making your own poems and making your own art. And it's just it seems like very beautiful to me. I have a very similar, it's so funny because I have a very similar experience of it, when I was in middle school in seventh grade, I was a member of the like yearbook staff and I had written a poem, a very terrible poem about the experience of middle school that likened middle school to a roller coaster, <laughs> just like the ups <laughs> and downs, you know, <laughs> and I was so shy and so hesitant Um and so worried about being judged that I mm-hmm. was like, I will put my poem in the book, but I don't want to put my name on it. And then, of course, then the book came out. And then, of course, I was like, I wrote this poem, like showing everyone. I wrote this poem. I can write my name in your yearbook because I wrote it. And, so I, <laughs> and my my sixth grade or seventh grade English teacher was like, took me aside and said, you know, I know you didn't write that poem. And I know that's why you didn't want your name on it, because you plagiarized it and it broke my heart and then of course it was like oh like I was just like totally convinced like she was right like oh yeah you must she must be right because she's an adult and she's telling me this it was really one of the only times I went home and I told my parents who were very you know like my they were my my parents were very hands-off parents you know they Uh were not they were like the opposite of helicopter parents, very typical hippie, you know, <laughs> parents of the day. And my mom, it was like she was at the school two minutes later and was like, you need to, you know, she was like at the principal's office saying this woman needs to apologize to my daughter for accusing yeah. her of plagiarism. But it's so funny because it's like sort of the opposite, but it's like sort of the same in a way, you know, like yeah, the way you go to an adult and say like, you know affirm or disaffirm and how those moments can I mean there's also a version of your story where your teacher like totally shames you and says you know what's wrong with you like this is not yours and you should never do this again and that could like possibly send you off in a different path right you know yeah right yeah Yeah. well it really highlights how I think my first experience of writing my own poem was you know, really hard, actually. And it's interesting that your first experience of sharing a poem was so difficult because I think, you know, because it's such an act of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I mean, my students all the time are just like, I don't want to write it, Mm -hmm. even if I'm the only one who's going to read it, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, my mother had bought me this diary with a lock on it. And so I think the very first poem I remember writing on my own was completely private. And I struggled over it so much, I remember. I just remember it being so hard to get out what I was trying to say Mm -hmm. and um the poem was something like you know my mother is my best friend I will love her until the very end and so it you know but it was something that I could never I would I didn't want to share with her but that I wanted to say anyway Mm -hmm. and so I think you know there's such an interesting thing to think about you sort of anonymously sharing this poem almost like being brave enough to put your words out there without crediting yourself and to have that rejected and I'm just like good good for your mom for yeah, right. you know mm-hmm. going and being like this is wrong mm-hmm. and sending you off in the like you said the direction of becoming a poet mm. no matter what an adult thinks of Yeah you. and I think about that teacher all the time Tarfia my producer just was wondering she's like fascinated by the story and she's just wondering what did your teacher say when you brought him these poems was what was his reaction when he sort I mean, of when, realized, when he, when he caught, realized. Yeah, when he caught, yeah, it's when he sort of caught you. <laughs> well, I just, you know, I mean, I, I think all I have are really 
strong sensory impressions, but I just remember his face being very sort of like serious and kind of like rueful almost like it hurt him Mm. to, you know, like I think like he was sort of pained by what he had to do because I was obviously so pleased Mm. by myself, you know, like um, I've always cared about my handwriting. So I think, you know, in a way I was sort of like my transcription skills are great. Right. I didn't understand necessarily what I was proud of. I just knew that I was proud of whatever it is that I had done, taken these words and recreated them. So I think, if I'm remembering correctly, like, I think he was just sort of like, he was really kind about it, you know, like he was really firm, but kind. And um, instead of shaming me, like you said, he sort of explained to me the difference um, between writing, you know, and I remember at this, at, <laughs> I, I, I'm remembering now at the time, just having so much difficulty with the concept of the idea of my own thoughts being part of the process, not mm-hmm. just mimicking someone else's thoughts you know and I think like I said he was really he was really kind about it he continued to be over the years I went to the same school from the time I was five till I graduated from high school so anytime I saw him I just felt like you thought about um like you thinking about that teacher all the time right Mm -hmm. um you know Mr. Hicks looms large for me as somebody who sort of corrected me when I needed correcting Mm -hmm. I guess Mm -hmm. but I did it in a way that didn't make me feel terrible about myself what a great teacher, right? Yeah, he was great. But that makes me this whole. I was just thinking actually that I should reach out to Mr. Hicks. We should. We could yeah. have a like. If you ever wanted to reach out to him on the radio, we could have it recorded. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, this this American life, this West Texas American life, that would be so great. Okay, um, so Tarfia, I would love you to share with us a poem that has meant a lot to you, and I wondered if you could read it for us um, and just sort of tell a little bit, maybe before you read it, about what it is about this poem that you, like, feel you want to, you know, sh- why, why, why is this the poem that you would want to share with the world? I read this random poem that um, felt like, to me, it was important because I finally kind of put a lot of my past failures or what I felt like were past failures, even though now I can be generous with myself and think, well, I was sort of working with the information that I had at the time, Um, things I was hard on myself for years about. Um, But this also has this scene where um, I remember I would go to chapel every day, and it was kind of confusing to be going to um, Christian chapel every day as a Muslim. Mm. So I would sort of have this balancing act where I would kind of like be Muslim at home, but be something else at school. And then whoever I was was sort of somewhere in between, I guess, Mm -hmm. at any given point. Mm -hmm. Um, But I remember I had this really long curly hair. And I remember Mark Stoltz was sitting behind me in the pews in chapel one day. And afterwards, Mark Stoltz came up to me and he said, your hair smells really good. And it was my first experience of a boy paying me a compliment. And I just was just like, oh, my God, what? And I remember washing my hair obsessively with this orange shampoo um, (laughs) (laughs) and trying to sort of position myself such that I could sit in front of Mark Stoltz again. It never happened, but um, but that sort of um, is part of the poem, too. So I'll just read that. It's called uh, The Doors to Trinity. I never lost them. Here they are, scratch-handled, gum-gunked. I didn't learn to reach higher. I just did, first on my toddling toes. I did learn to borrow, 
rides from strangers, how to dress or laugh, cash stacked in aluminum foil meant for villagers too far away for me to care. Yeah, I did that. Snuck off to unwrap my own morals. For a card to call a boy in another state who didn't want me. Rings that gave my knuckles grass-colored scars. And a diary to carry my aches in. I lied and stole and swallowed. I didn't notice all the lesions I hadn't meant to hoard. I wouldn't be held or told. Yesterday was tomorrow. I was gentler then, not yet hollowed, but always unkempt, even if authored. First, the tornadoed cubbyhole damp with forged permission slips. Then the locker packed with pens I chewed into twizzled plastic fodder or wallpapered with magazine cutouts of boys grinning in different colors. Then I began to rub out the foulest parts of me until I was vellum. I stayed smudged anyway, a blue pat of drugstore eyeshadow brush softened. You know how it all stretches and slows? One minute you're falling on your diapered ass for the first time, and then the next mistake keeps you thirsting for more. I became crucifix and spear, cut and colored glass, the hymns I did not sing at home. Even now, I can't help but stick out all of my tongues. I am chosen, I prayed, I was born. I took a right, a left, and another left. I'm sometimes late, but I do love to run a palm all alone around the shining altar. I still believe I could be, like y'all said, anything I wanted. When I did, the light never seemed to falter. I know y'all saw me sit with my feet up in those high thrones I called fancy chairs. How fat with love, my wild, orange-scented hair. You can find Tarfia Faizula's poem, West Texas Nocturne, in her forthcoming book from Grey Wolf Press, Registers of Illuminated Villages. This Is Just to Say is produced at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas. I'm Carrie Fountain. Thanks for listening.